Kevin, can yeah. you go ahead and give us a give us an intro? Um, I want I want Joey to say what time is it, and I want six oh three. Well, no, that I want you to. Okay, welcome to Story Hole. Um, it's six oh three. I'm Roger. I'm Kevin. And I'm Joey. Hey, do you guys like Disney movies? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course I do. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Which Disney character do you feel like you relate to the most? Mm. Aladdin. Why? Because you're always one jump ahead of the ahead of the man. Yeah. Hood rat. Pack rat. <laughs> I can't but do that. that. I'm every kind of rat. If you think <laughs> about it. Yeah. That's very true, actually. Uh, does this also count like? Pixar hybrids because Disney and Pixar are kind of buddies, right? They're like the same. Um, I'm gonna say no Pixar. That's just Disney. Ah, no Wally. No, no Wally. Let me get that Wally. No, I'm sorry, man. You're, you can't do Wally. Ah, bleep blorp. <laughs> okay, so then I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the uh, uh, enemies beware. <laughs> uh, like it? you're a Simba. Yeah, I guess I'm. Gonna be king? I guess I'm Simba. You're Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Simba. Is that what you're saying? No, I want to be the the older Simba. <laughs> I think you're a little bit more Timon. Me, yeah, you're then. Timon for sure, man. Ah, uh, fuck you're Timon. Yeah. Kev- I didn't say Pumbaa. I said Timon. <laughs> Do you guys want to take a guess on uh, which character that I think I'm closest to? Um, Probably something from Robin Hood. Oh, that's good. Um, I want to say uh, Blue. Oh, I like that. Um, you're wrong though. It's Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Ah, <laughs> Thingamabobs, you've got twenty. I've got twenty Thingamabobs. I've got fish feet. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I got clams on some of my parts. Mm-hmm. Sure do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it'd be fun to do an episode on classic Disney movies uh, because we're probably all pretty familiar with them, right? Like everyone knows Disney movies, but there's potentially some more depth behind them, I think. Now, pretty much every classic Disney story is based on a fairy tale, right? And those fairy tales are usually pretty dark and weird. So it might be fun to take a look at parts that maybe they left out of the Disney version that are in the original story. And also... There's so many straight-to-video sequels for popular Disney movies that I feel like nobody watched, right? I know I never did. Did you guys ever watch any of the, like, Lion King 2? Not really. So I feel like those sequels, nobody watched them, but they probably add some other fun dimensions to the story as well. So I thought it might be cool if we go in and take a look at Disney stories, but from the perspective of the fairy tales and maybe add the elements of the story that are added through those straight-to-video sequels, too. So on today's story hole, we're going to dive under the sea and take a look at The Little Mermaid. Hey, I wrote this. I wrote this song for for both of you. Ready? It goes like this. Here comes Roger. (laughs) Gonna lay a kiss on Kev. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin really likes to kiss a boy named Roger. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the whole song. Actually, do you like it? Yeah, it's really horny right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's based on real. Like it was inspired by real things. I'm uh, I'm popping the flounder over here. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) so to start with we should probably talk about the disney version right just in case anybody hasn't seen it or maybe if it's been a while uh, and you don't really remember it are you guys pretty familiar with the disney's little mermaid mildly let's talk about the plot of that for just a minute then Uh, it's the story of a teenage mermaid named ariel uh, and she lives on the ocean floor in a kingdom of mer people ariel's dad is king triton the king of the mermaids and the mermen And in this world, the mermaids know about humans living on land, uh, but it's expressly forbidden for them to go associate with them because it's generally agreed upon that humans are super dangerous. Now they hunt, 
and they fish and they eat sea creatures for food and they just view the humans as being super barbaric and something that you don't necessarily want to associate with. Yeah. Ariel is super intrigued by humanity though. She doesn't believe that they're the monsters that everybody says they are and she secretly sneaks up to the surface to look at them pretty often and she even has a, a hidden collection of, of human objects that she keeps in a secret grotto. But one day, while she's up at the surface, she sees a ship sailing by with a real hunky prince celebrating his birthday on board. And she's peeping on the prince from a distance when all of a sudden a storm hits and the ship is struck by lightning and the prince gets thrown overboard. It's going to drown. And Ariel doesn't want that to happen. She can't let such a good hunk go to waste, right? So she <laughs> saves him yeah. and carries him to the shore. Hard to come by. Yeah. And uh, while he's regaining consciousness on the beach, she's singing to him. And he ends up recovering, and Ariel runs away as soon as he kind of comes back uh, to consciousness. And she returns to the sea, but she can't stop thinking about him. She's got a major crush on him. And the prince can only barely remember her. He, he just has kind of a, a foggy glimpse of, of who she was. But he remembers her voice, and he remembers her singing to him. And he can't stop thinking about her either. Meanwhile, her dad, King Triton, finds out about all this. Because uh, there's a real a real square of a crap, a real dork named Sebastian that accidentally spills the beans. So Triton's furious. You know, he doesn't want his daughter associating with those barbaric humans. So he goes to her secret grotto and he just breaks everything in her human stuff collection. And she's super upset and she runs away to go find a way that she can be with the prince instead. She wants to leave her father and go live with people. Do you guys remember who she turns to for help? Yeah, uh, it's um, Ursula. Yeah, it's the sea witch, Ursula. She's not technically a mermaid. Uh, instead of being half woman, half fish. Something way cooler. Yeah, she's half woman, half octopus. I don't know if there's a name for that, but uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. And she lives outside of the kingdom in these dark, spooky caves. And when we first see Ursula, she says something kind of interesting that I feel like I didn't really pick up on when I used to watch this movie. Uh, she's talking to herself and kind of reminiscing. And she says, in my day, we used to have fantastical feasts when I lived in the palace. Mm. Like Ursula used to, used to live in Triton's palace. She lives in like a she lives in a dump or something now, right? I feel like it's in like the dark. Yeah, she lives with like flotsam and jetsam with gross eels. Uh huh. Yeah, she just lives in like a dark hole now. So they don't really explain that in the movie. You know, there's never a reference after that to her history or why she used to live in the palace. But I found out that in the early drafts of the script. They intended to explore her backstory a little bit more. And originally, they were going to establish that Ursula was Triton's sister, their brother and sister. Mm. And some disagreement between the two of them led to her being banished outside the kingdom. And that's why she has to live in this dark cave. It's the original Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> Except they're not, they're not sleeping with each other. But maybe oh, they weren't. Hey, you don't know that. <laughs> yeah. I see the way they look. They look at each other. <laughs> See the way they could, look. Who could How resist? Could no? <laughs> yeah. Who could resist that dad bod? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, yeah. She looks great. <laughs> he's a pretty bad dad, though. He he is a pretty bad dad. We're gonna get into that. Yeah. He's a terrible father. Why would, you're upset with your daughter, and so you just go into her room and break everything. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a bad move. I guess think about it. Say you're a mermaid father, and let's reframe yeah. it, and instead your daughter just gets really into something else that you think is dangerous. Like she gets really into drugs would you go in and, and and break all of her drugs that's a that's a good point yeah and everything else probably too <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's something we'll touch on more too uh, both of those things the fact that triton is kind of a bad dude in a lot of ways and also that relationship between triton and ursula that's something we'll uh, cool. learn a little bit more about later too but anyway i don't want to undermine what you were saying before roger he does have a, an incredible bot he does. Oh, I thought, I thought you were saying that she has a dad bod. 
<laughs> my dad bod is definitely closer to hers than yeah, it is to his, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Ariel makes a deal with Ursula. Uh, Ursula will make her human. And if she can get the prince to give her a true love's kiss in three days, then she gets to stay human. If he doesn't kiss her, Ursula gets to transform Ariel into a gross little sea anemone creature. And on top of that, the price of the deal is that Ursula gets to steal Ariel's beautiful voice, right? She sucks it out of Ariel with uh, some kind of magic power and puts it in a shell necklace around her neck. So Ariel's human now. Um, She's got legs. Uh, She can't talk, but she has a mission. She has to flirt with the prince and try to land that true love's kiss. And just to really make it difficult for her, Ursula transforms herself into a babe. And now she has Ariel's stolen voice. So she tricks the prince into thinking that she was the one that saved him. Wait, if Ursula can be a babe whenever she wants, why isn't she a babe? Maybe in her eyes, the form that she has half octopus is a babe. You know, Uh, we're looking at this through human eyes. Maybe we need to look at this through mermaid (laughs) eyes. But, you know, ultimately, Ursula is exposed to secretly be a, a gross octopus woman in disguise. And the prince realizes he's made a mistake, but it's too late. The three days are up. And Ariel didn't smooch that prince. So she's going to turn into a sea anemone now. If you remember, King Triton, although he's kind of a jerk sometimes, he truly loves his daughters, right? So he can't let that happen. Uh, and he makes a deal with Ursula that he'll take her place. You know, she can turn him into a sea anemone instead of Ariel. So Ariel's free. And Triton's now a gross little worm creature. And Ursula is in power. She takes over his position as ruler of the sea. Luckily, the prince is a brave hunk, and he kills Ursula by driving a boat into her. And when (laughs) Ursula dies, her magic disappears. King Triton turns back into a merman. um, And he realizes that the prince really is great. You know, he's brave and and, and beautiful. So he lets Ariel be human, and they can be in love and get married after all. So he has a, has a, a change of heart. He comes around and realizes that not all of humanity is bad. Yeah. And that's a quick summary of Disney's Little Mermaid. Uh, can I ask you a quick side question real fast? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just asking for a friend. If, if you, uh, you needed to try to get True Love's Kiss, and, and <laughs> what, would, what, would you, uh, what would you tell my friend? <laughs> I would say, uh, Joey's friend, why don't you take that boy out to a nice lagoon? You know? Maybe uh, get some music playing. Mm. You know? Maybe some... Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Very romantic. I love that song. Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> Legitimately. I used to listen to it when I was on a riding mower mowing my lawn. <laughs> That's very appropriate. Well, anyway, uh, Kevin, are you listening to his advice? <laughs> well, I was the friend. I only have two friends. <laughs> Just go to Lagoon, man. <laughs> hey, Disney trivia. What's the name of the, the hunky prince? Uh, Eric. It's Eric. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't use his name in this because I feel like there'd be too many names involved. So Prince was easier. Yeah, but that's yeah, good. Prince Eric. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, the the viewers at home can play along with the trivia. They got it wrong. I can bet. you name her other sisters? Yeah, uh, yeah. Charlene, Nancy, uh, Steph. Um, <laughs> Nancy was one uh, of them. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think uh, Cameron is one. Um, and uh, <laughs> Barb, and Fred. Barb, Barb and Bread, yeah. That's, <laughs> Jason. That's all of them. Yeah, I think you got them all. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of Disney movies draw their material from fairy tales and folklore. And Disney's Little Mermaid is based on a story by the same name written by Hans Christian Andersen in 1837. 
But like a lot of old fairy tales, it's uh, surprisingly dark. A lot of those fairy tales that have become such popular children's themes are pretty, pretty weird, pretty dark stories. In this one, King Triton is uh, he's a widower. It specifically addresses the fact that his wife is gone. His wife has died. Triton's mom lives with him in the palace, though, to help him raise his daughters. The youngest is Ariel. Now, in the original Little Mermaid story, they don't name her Ariel. They just call her the Little Mermaid. That's uh, That name Ariel is a Disney invention, but we're going to keep calling her Ariel anyway, just to make it easier. Yeah. Now, the first major difference is that in this world, people are not forbidden from going up to the surface and interacting with humans. It can be a dangerous thing to do, though, because who knows what humans are going to do? You know, they're, uh, they like to eat fish, right? They are kind of barbaric, so it's, uh, it's a little risky to go up and, and hang out with them. I think if you catch them, you get three wishes. Yeah, that's true. What are you gonna use that third wish for? Oh. <laughs> Set that mermaid free, baby. A pack of bacon, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, a pack, pack of bacon. Pack of bacon. And then I'll just toss her back in the water. Right. <laughs> That's true, because you can just catch another one and get another another pack of bacon later if you need it. Um, but because it's kind of a dangerous thing to do, they want to protect young mermaids from going up there and doing something stupid. So the law is that you can't go up to the surface until you turn 15 years old. It's basically like the same thing. It's like rum, a, it's rumspringer. Yeah, well, it's like um, it's like driving a car, right? We don't let people drive cars until they're old enough to not do something really dumb and kill themselves. It's the same kind of idea. So. Being the youngest sister, all of Ariel's older siblings get to go up there and see what's up there first. Uh, and they always come back down and tell her about all the cool stuff that they've seen, forests and, and dogs and the stars and people. So naturally, Ariel gets super jealous and obsessive about what it must be like to go up there. So when she finally does turn 15 and she's allowed to go up to the surface, she's super into it. She's like blown away. She loves it. And just like in the Disney version, one of the first humans that she sees is the hunky prince on board the ship. And just like in the Disney version, the ship hits a storm and the prince is tossed overboard and Ariel has to save him from drowning. After that, though, the story takes a pretty different direction than the Disney version. Uh, When Ariel goes back down to the seafloor, she goes to her grandmother and asks her some questions about what humans are all about. Because her grandmother's really old and wise and she's been around forever, so she knows most of the answers. And Ariel's first question is, do humans die? Like she knows that humans can drown, but if they don't drown, do humans just live forever? And her grandmother says, no, just like people, humans have to die. But whereas people get to live 300 years before they die, humans get a lot less time than that. The trade-off, though, is that humans have souls. So when a human dies, their soul gets to live on forever in heaven. people, on the other hand, they don't have souls. So when a mermaid dies, its body just turns into sea foam, and that's it. They just get washed away into the sea. They don't even get a grave or anything to be mourned at. Man, memories lost like tears and rain, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Ariel, <laughs> Ariel is pretty, uh, pretty bummed out by that news. You know, nobody's ever. Apparently, this is the first time anybody's let her know that she's going to die and turn into sea foam. <laughs> hey, when I was in ninth grade, this is the worst she was shit. Fifteen. I'm roughly fifteen, right? I'm fourteen. I'm in ninth grade science class, mm-hmm. and my teacher, he dropped a bomb on me, which was that eventually uh, our sun's going to explode and or grow, like it gets bigger first, and then it's just going to 
engulf the earth and kill us all. Oh man, you had no concept of that beforehand. Probably. No, and it it ruined me for for a long, long time. Yeah, because when so you're a like kid, that. you probably assumed that the world is forever, right? Forever, I did, like truly, and it was like, why, why, why didn't anybody warn me? Like, <laughs> I didn't have to sign a disclaimer for this. This man just ruined everything. <laughs> What's the point? Honestly, it was like like my first weird little existential crisis, and now I feel the same as Ariel on the situation. <laughs> really relate to her, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. I also like the idea that mermaids turn into sea foam when they die. Yeah. But also, do you think all the sea foam, like if you go to the beach and you get sea foam on you, do you think that's just dead mermaid goo? I mean, it's the same as dust, right? Dust is just skin. Dust is just dead humans, yeah, right? <laughs> all, the, yeah. all the dust is just dead people. <laughs> it's land foam. <laughs> land foam, yuck. Yeah. Hey, if you guys, uh, when you died, if you turned into some uh, something else, you know, like seafoam, but you could choose what you turn into when you die. What would you pick? Mm. Another Kevin. <laughs> oh, very good. That's uh, is, is it a live one or just another, just a dead Kevin? Uh, can, can I be six dead Kevins? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you be, Raj? Um, I don't know. Probably like nachos, I guess. Yeah, that's good. I was thinking yeah. it would be like mac and cheese or gak uh-huh. or something. Gak something is pretty weird. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Ariel's grandmother tells her one other thing, though. There's a loophole in that whole souls deal. If a mermaid can get a human man to love her more than he loves his father and his mother, oh, no. and if she can convince him to place his hand in hers in front of a priest oh, and no. vow to be faithful to her for all of eternity, then a mermaid can develop a soul just like a human, Ooh. and she can go to heaven when she dies. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? I thought she was going to take his soul. No, suck it out of his body? Yeah, no. he's, he's yeah. giving it up. No, they both get it. Yeah. It's not a bad deal for for both parties. But that's a pretty tough loophole to exploit. You know, if you're a mermaid, you've got got a fish butt, right? And you live underwater. That's going to make flirting pretty hard. Uh, It's going to make getting married really hard. But Ariel wants it. She wants it bad. You know, she she has to figure out a way to do this. She wants that soul. She doesn't want to turn into sea foam. And she's got a major crush on the prince. So she comes up with a plan. She's going to go see the sea witch. And in this case, the sea witch isn't really like Ursula. She's not a villain necessarily. She's scary, but she's not trying to trick Ariel or ruin Ariel's life or anything. She's just kind of a spooky underwater witch. And she lives in a house built from the bones of shipwrecked sailors. Cool. And her part of the sea is surrounded by sea anemones that are just little sticky animals that will grab anything that passes by and just smother it. So on the way to her bone house, there's just a bunch of dead animals and old ship parts and treasure chests and even some mermaid bodies that swam too close and got stuck in their sticky little arms. So Ariel has to carefully navigate her way to the bone house and she goes inside and she meets the sea witch. Yo, can, I, who, can I just toss a funny yeah. thing in my head? Uh, you guys ever play Ninja Turtles for Nintendo? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, the, the water yeah, level. Yeah, that's that water level. There's those electric, mm-hmm. electric like uh, plants, I guess, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's the exact same it's thing. It's the exact same thing. Good luck, Ariel. <laughs> it's an impossible level. I think I beat it's it a hard one level. time. I was good yeah. at it, guys. Can I just say that? That was my... Yeah. Like, the that's old, insane. The only me. thing I was good at in my life, ever. The next level after that, you got to drive around in the turtle van on like a map of the city. Yeah, yeah. Dun, and I thought dun, that was dun, so dun, cool dun, and I could never get to it. Um, then I, I didn't know where to go after that. That game, that is, a game mess. is a mess. Anyway, let's just keep going. I don't want to think <laughs> about it. If she's a sea witch, what kind of what kind of witch would you guys be? Sandwich. Sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first time that we see the sea witch in this story, she's sitting in her bone house and she has her mouth open and she's letting a toad eat food out of her open mouth. Oh, I love oh. that. Yeah, it's a pretty good witch thing, right? That's cute. <laughs> 
So Ariel asks the witch if there's any way that she can help Ariel get a human to fall in love with her so she can get a soul. And the witch says, yeah, of course. The, the witch can make her a potion that will turn Ariel into a human. It'll split Ariel's fishtail into two and form two beautiful human legs. And she'll be able to dance and walk like she's floating on water. And she'll be just the most beautiful, graceful human girl. But the process is pretty brutal. The witch tells her that it'll feel like a sword is cleaving her fishtail in two when it happens. And every step that she takes on those new legs for the rest of her life will feel like she's walking on red hot knives stabbing into her feet. So she'll just suffer constantly. Oh, God. And it's risky because if she gets her heart broken, if the prince marries somebody else, the next morning after that wedding, she'll die and she'll die without a soul. So she'll turn into sea foam and wash away. But Ariel decides it's worth the risk. You know, she wants to be with the prince and she wants that soul. So she says, okay, she goes for it. And uh, I think it's worth noting that none of those terrible aspects of the potion, none of the pain that's associated with it, that's not because of the sea witch. She's not evil here. That's just how the potion works. They're just yeah, side effects, sense. right? That's a classic potion. Uh-huh. Yeah. I get it. There is one part of the deal that makes the sea witch seem a little questionable, though. She tells Ariel that in order to make it, the witch has to give up some of her own blood to mix into the potion. And because she's giving up some of her own body, she wants some of Ariel's body in return. And the part that she wants is Ariel's tongue, oh. which is a pretty steep price, right? Jeez, dude. That girl's so going to be Ariel, a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Ariel has to pull out her tongue, and the sea witch just chops it off and just sticks it in her pocket. And they don't really talk about what she's going to do with that tongue, but... In practice. <laughs> I think that French kiss gets a lot of play. There's no Tinder for witches. Yeah, Not sea witches, at least. There's for normal witches. <laughs> yeah. See which have a pretty uh, a pretty narrow <laughs> dating pool, probably. Yeah, yeah, she needs to learn how to kiss. <laughs> yep. That's kind of cute. I like that. Yeah, well, that's Except what the, you know, the frog, which is baiting the frog, frog in there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's desperate, man. But anyway, Ariel drinks the potion and she goes up to the surface and she becomes human. And the sea witch was right. It's just constant pain. Every time she takes a step, she's just in misery. But she deals with it. She makes it work. And even though she can't talk, the prince is definitely into her. He finds her on the beach, and she's kind of just this beautiful, mysterious girl that can't talk. And he's just really intrigued by her. And she's so sweet and so devoted to him that he just can't help. He just falls in love with her. So things are looking pretty good. Unfortunately, the prince is a prince. And a lot of times, a prince's father, the king will make the prince marry a princess from a different kingdom for political purposes. Mm. And that's what happens here. The prince is forced into an arranged marriage, but the prince doesn't want to do it. You know, his father just asks him, go meet the princess, go to this other kingdom and and see her. Jasmine. Uh, And maybe (laughs) it's Jasmine. (laughs) No, and maybe, you know, maybe who knows? Maybe you'll like her. So the prince agrees to do it just to appease his father, but he definitely doesn't plan on marrying her. And he's too into his weird, tongueless, beautiful girl Uh, to really consider it seriously and in fact he brings ariel along with him on the trip to meet the new girl wow so yeah he's really got no plan of going through with this arranged marriage at all but when he meets the princess she's incredible she's even kinder and she's prettier and, and sweeter than ariel and she's definitely not a giant octopus woman in disguise in this case either she's actually just a genuine great person so things take a pretty bad turn for ariel the prince is just instantly in love with this new girl and uh he's gonna go through with it he's gonna say yes to the arranged marriage 
And he tells Ariel, this is super cold. He tells Ariel that he knows that she must be so happy for him since she's the one that cares about him the most. That's rough. Which is a pretty terrible thing to say to somebody that you're leaving for somebody else. Hey, I have a kind of an uncomfortable question. (laughs) Yeah, hit me. I'm ready. Uh, you know, you know how like the side effects of the potion, it was like she was being split in half with a sword and, mm-hmm. and then she's like walking on hot swords and stuff. What do you, what do you think the honeymoon would be like for her? <laughs> That's mm. a very good question. Yeah. Let's get, that can't be good, no, it right? it can't be good. Mm. But she gets a soul out of the whole deal. So maybe it's worth it. You know, I mean, I, I bet you, okay, here's my, my logic. Uh, if this is a potion I took it, I would presume that I just keep getting split into my legs, go up to my neck, and I have really, really long legs. <laughs> but also, I bet you could probably just do some like exercises. Like they say, you know, like the whole like thing, the whole like that old saying, "Don't skip leg day." Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet you that's so you can really just get everything all back in order. <laughs> you could just just pump some iron down there and make it better. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just do some squats. You do some yeah. lunges. I think, uh, and you'll just be good. All right, like also, that. I mean. Would you be willing to stick a hot sword in your butt for true love? Oh, no, no way. No, dude, I wouldn't do it. And stay away from my butt for anything. <laughs> true love, man. True nah, love's kiss. No, no time for that. Is it, is it like going to cause permanent damage or is it just uncomfortable for a while? No, it just hurts. Yeah, yeah. It hurts for, oh, it's permanent pain. Permanent, it's permanent pain, pain, though. Right? Yeah, your yeah. butt's going to hurt for a long time. They already hurt enough. <laughs> But that's it. You know, Ariel's doomed. Uh, and when the prince and the princess get married, the next day she's going to turn into sea foam. Is this and happening? Wait, is this fiction or is this happening? This is this is real life, baby. Oh, I got it. I got a beer back. <laughs> Joey's going to save her. Uh, All right. I just got back. Um, turns out she's she's actually real happy for him because she cares about him the most. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's, let's keep going. <laughs> it's sad though because she can't. She can't even explain the situation to the prince. Right? He'll never know mm-hmm. just how much she sacrificed just to try to be with him. Now, Ariel's sisters have been watching all this unfold from a distance. They've been swimming up to the surface and just kind of keeping an eye on things because they knew that this was a risky plan, and they were worried that it could turn bad. So they have a backup plan. On the night before the wedding, the prince and his bride to be, and Ariel and a bunch of other guests, they're out on a ship in the sea celebrating. Ariel's sisters come to the surface and call her over, and they throw something to her, telling her to use this to fix the situation so that she it's won't die in the morning. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a what? A gun. <laughs> You're actually really close. It's a knife. Oh, oh no. no. It's a knife to kill the prince with. The sisters had gone to see the sea witch themselves, and they had to shave off all their hair and give all their hair to the sea witch. <laughs> But in return, <laughs> the witch has given them a magic knife. That's a way easier deal than a tongue, though. Than a tongue, definitely. <laughs> but I guess to turn into a different creature versus just to get a magic knife. I mean, you know? Magic knife might turn me into another creature. Uh, it does. You're correct. If Ariel plunges the knife into the prince's chest and kills him before daybreak, instead of Ariel dissolving into sea foam and dying, she'll grow her fish butt back and she'll become a mermaid again. And she'll be able to go back to the oh. seafloor and rejoin all of her people in her kingdom and live happily and just forget about the whole ordeal, which is pretty rough, right? What would you guys do? Would you kill your crush so you didn't die? No, I mean, you can't do that. That's her bad. That guy? Yeah, I mean, he was kind of he's kind of rude guy, to her. I'd kill that guy. Not me. Not me. No way. You don't You don't leave somebody that you're super happy to be with for somebody that you're kind of excited about. That's, that's a shit move. It is a shit move. He, so you're saying he deserves to die, Kevin. He deserves <laughs> to be murdered by a lady that's going to turn into a fish lady. 
Well, you know, Ariel's debating it. She goes to the prince's bedroom and she's standing over him while he sleeps with his bride in bed with him. Get her two. You can grow two tails. <laughs> one on top, one you'll on bottom. Like a, you'll be like a two-tailed siren. <laughs> you, you, could, you could be like the, the logo for Starbucks. <laughs> but ultimately, she decides she can't do it. Um, yeah. Sure. You know, part of the reason why she did all this is because she wanted to get a soul. But, you know, she does actually truly love the prince, too. You know, he's a good person. And the princess is a good person, too. She doesn't want to kill them. So she turns around and she throws the knife back into the sea just as day breaks. And as she's... <laughs> it's, it's the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> just some poor fisherman. <laughs> but as the, uh, as the sun comes up over the horizon, she feels her body start to dissolve into foam. So she throws herself overboard and, and just dissolves into the water. And that's mm. the pretty dark ending to The Little Mermaid, huh? So what's the part that happens after that makes it nice and happy? Yeah. The part that happens after, that's good that you asked that question because there is one. Is there, There's actually a little bit there? more. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Hans Christian Andersen added another ending to the end of the story that's just super out of place. It feels like he just like taped on an extra ending onto the story. Uh, but it goes like this. As Ariel is dissolving into sea foam, she realizes that she's still conscious. She can still see and think. And she's looking up into the sky. And in the sky, she sees that there's just these beautiful transparent beings flying around in the sunlight and they fly down to her and they introduce themselves as the daughters of the air. And one of them explains that since Ariel's a mermaid, she has no soul. She can never have one unless she marries a human. A mermaid's ability to live forever in heaven is therefore totally dependent on someone else's emotions, which is a pretty hard deal. These daughters of the air, they also have no soul, but they're given a different opportunity. They have a chance to earn one. And not through getting someone else to love them, but by doing good deeds themselves. And since Ariel has suffered so much, and since she chose to do the right thing and not, you know, murdering the prince, she's given that chance as well. She's been turned into a daughter of the air. She's like an angel figure. Hmm. And the way being a daughter of the air works is that you fly around just unseen by humans, spreading refreshing breezes. Uh, you're in charge of of making nice smells on the wind. Mm, lavender. Uh, you cure <laughs> you cure sick people. You relieve pain. And when you've helped and done nice things for 300 years, then you're given a soul and you're allowed into heaven. That's beautiful. And in addition to that, there's actually a shortcut. Uh, if you don't want to wait all 300 years to get your soul, you can take a shortcut, but it's a little bit of a risk. If a daughter of the air flies into a child's bedroom while they're sleeping, one of two things can happen. If it's a good kid that brings joy to their parents, the daughter of the air will be filled with warmth and they'll feel a year taken off of their 300-year requirement. But if you fly into a child's bedroom and they're a naughty kid that causes their parents grief, then the daughter of the air is just filled with sadness and cries bitter tears and an extra day is added on to their 300-year period. Oh, wow. So you can fly into a bunch of kids' rooms and just hope that you, <laughs> hope that you yeah, just roulette it, hope that you find some good kids. And, uh, and get to heaven quicker. But if you don't... Every good kid is one 365 bad kids. Uh-huh. I think those are pretty good It's pretty odds. good odds, right? It's pretty generous. Yeah. yeah. You should just kind of... They should have like fun little stakeouts and just uh, let's watch this kid for a little bit and see if he's a yeah, good kid. Yeah, they should peep the kid first. That's very smart. Right. You'd be a good daughter of the air, Joey. Thanks, man. That's nice. And that's uh, that's literally how Hans Christian Andersen ends the story, just with that explanation. He doesn't even address how Ariel responds to it <laughs> or if she if she does well, if she's able to get to heaven. There's none of that. It's just a daughter of the air explaining how it works, and that's the end of the story. 
which is basically, it's just a message straight to kids saying, hey, if you're good, you're going to help these angels get to heaven. And if you're bad, you're going to really bum them out and make them wait longer. So neither of you have seen the direct-to-video sequels that Disney made for The Little Mermaid, right? No. No. They're they're not good. There's two of them. There's a sequel that follows Ariel and the prince's daughter. It's pretty whatever. It's really not worth taking a look at. But the other is not actually a sequel. It's a prequel called The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning. And that one is pretty fascinating. To begin with, it explains what happened to King Triton's wife. You guys want to guess uh, how Triton's wife died? Yeah, there's a bunch of mermaid eggs, and they're trying to raise this nice little family, and then mm-hmm. another sea predator comes and and chomps her and and gets all the eggs, and then he scrambles about because he's not quite a king yet and he doesn't know what's going on, and he's able to get one egg that has a little scar on it. What do they call the the, the fish that's born out of that egg? Little Nemo. <laughs> Uh, probably like high blood pressure. <laughs> uh, no, she actually, she gets run over by a pirate ship. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which is pretty insane. Jeez. The opening scene of the movie, a bunch of mermaids are hanging out in a lagoon and Triton gives his wife uh, a music box. But just then a pirate ship pulls into the lagoon. So all the mermaids just scramble to get away. But Triton's wife forgets her music box on the rock. So she jumps back up on the rock to try to grab the music box, and uh, she's not fast enough. The ship just runs her over. It's like Mad Max One. <laughs> yeah, that's a you know, there's a lesson to be learned there for sure. You know, don't just let the music box go. You know, it's not worth not worth getting run over for. But it's super sad. You know, King Triton is obviously totally heartbroken over this whole thing. But the way that he reacts is pretty wild. He doesn't blame pirates or ships. He blames the music box. And he's so mad at the music box that he bans all music completely in all of his undersea kingdom. Music is totally outlawed. You don't want to see that happen to anybody else. (laughs) That's true, I guess. Get rid of the source. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But he's pretty harsh about it because anybody that's caught playing music is attacked by swordfish and thrown into a dungeon. Even just like whistling a tune can get you thrown in jail. So the whole thing forces musicians and and music lovers underground. There's secret illegal clubs where you can go to listen to uh, to hot Caribbean rhythms. This is in the movie? Uh This is a mermaid too? (laughs) Yeah. uh This is a sea raves. The hottest club of all, it's called the Catfish Club. (laughs) And it's basically, it's like a 1920s speakeasy, right? You have to to know the code word to get in. But instead of a code word, it's a a, a tune you have to whistle. And then you have to play a a little rhythm on a rock and they'll let you in. Do you know what it is? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's um, who let the dogs out. <laughs> out of gun for him. Oh, the Zelda tune. What? Or the Mario tune, I guess, huh? Mario whistle. What? <laughs> no, I'm just telling you that that's what it was. <laughs> I'm mistaken. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a secret club. You know, they make sure that they keep all the cops and all the king's men out of there so they don't get busted. And speaking of king's men, uh, we talked about Sebastian, the crab Sebastian, a little bit earlier, right? Mm-hmm. During this time period, he's King Triton's assistant, like his right hand man. And he's mostly in charge of of enforcing the music ban. He has to make sure that nobody is playing or enjoying music in the kingdom. 
So he's kind of a he's kind of a hard ass. Yeah, he's not a very popular figure. Anyway, when Ariel's a teenager, she's pretty rebellious. You know, she's bitter about her father's oppressive laws. You know, he's kind of a harsh father to his daughters at this point. He's just so depressed and so wrapped up in his own uh, his own mourning that he's a, a pretty cold guy. And his kingdom-wide ban on music is having a pretty negative influence on, on all the citizens. So Ariel is kind of rebelling against that. And she's sneaking out of the house at night. And she ends up tracking down the catfish club. She follows a, a little fish, Flounder, to the catfish club. And once she's inside, she sees something absolutely shocking. Uh, are you guys ready for this? Yeah. Sebastian is the leader of the band. Oh, see, I was wondering. He's a star. He has to pretend to uphold the king's laws because that's his job. But in his heart, he can't deny that that hot island rhythm, you know? That's great. Yeah. Um, So Ariel is stoked. She loves it. And she goes back home and she tells her sisters all about it. And Triton ends up finding out. It turns out Triton loves it too. He 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 loves he loves tropical jams. You know, he can't. <laughs> just kidding. He actually he's he's furious when he finds out. He's so angry. He throws <laughs> he throws Sebastian and the whole band in the dungeon and confines his daughters to a castle. Ariel manages to sneak out though. She goes to free Sebastian from the dungeon, and together Sebastian and Ariel and, and their band they go to find the music box. That's the source of all of Triton's music hatred. So they travel out to sea and they find it. Um, and along the way, they have to fight some electric eels. And there's an evil mermaid that gets involved in the whole thing. Um, and there's kind of this big culminating battle. And Ariel ends up getting beat up pretty bad. And Triton's sitting there and he, and he sees his daughter pretty badly hurt, clutching the music box to her chest. And that makes King Triton realize just, you know, how foolish he's being. You know, it makes him kind of come back to his senses. And he decides that you know, what he's done is wrong. He overturns the law. So music, music's back, baby. So does he like join the fight and wails on guitar and it blasts everybody away? <laughs> yeah. He's got a guitar shaped like a trident and he just like slays everybody with hot riffs. Just says like shredder on it. So something, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, it's probably a better like a pun that has something to do with kings and, and oceans. And fish. Yeah. yeah. Um, oyster boy. <laughs> Boyster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, Shell Yeah. Shell Yeah. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ursula doesn't make an appearance in this prequel at all. So it doesn't really give us any more info on what she's about. But there is something that does go into Ursula's backstory. In 2007, Disney created a Broadway musical version of The Little Mermaid. And in that telling of the story, we get a little bit more backstory on who Ursula is and where she comes from. There's a song that Ursula sings in the play. And in it, she explains that she is, in fact, King Triton's sister. And when their father was on his deathbed, he split his kingdom in half, leaving half to Triton and half to Ursula. He also left each of his kids a magical object. Triton got a magic trident. That's the trident that we see him using in the movie. And Ursula got a magic shell that she wears around her neck. That's the shell that she uses to suck Ariel's voice out. Yeah. So these objects are, uh, they're magical. They imbue the two of these uh, two of these people, two of these mer people with magical powers. And they kind of become the symbols of their power to rule the sea. So together, side by side, they both rule half of the, the ocean. Triton uses his power to be a good king. Uh, he's, he wants to be good to his subjects, uh, I guess not counting the period where he throws people in dungeon for liking music. But Ursula, she just she's a monster. She's a tyrant. She uses her power uh, that the shell necklace gives her to perform dark black magic. 
and she uses her position as a queen to do terrible things to her people, like eating them. There's a line in the song that she sings where she says, Remember those good times? I want them back. I want to greet my loving subjects and then have them as a snack. Yes. Which is pretty rough. Pretty black and white. There's also a part where she says, I want to taste their tears. I want to hear their screams. I want that special rush from crushing their dreams. Jeez. So she's just like she's a, through, she's a maniac. <laughs> she's a maniac. The power goes to her head, and because she's so awful, Triton has to step in. So he plans a coup, and he overthrows her, and he sends her into exile outside the borders of the kingdom. That's why she's out there living in those caves. She's in exile, and if she returns to the kingdom, she'll be killed. That's also why in the beginning of that movie, she mentions how great it was when she lived in the castle. She also mentions having fantastic feasts. Those were feasts on her own people. And that's also why she was so mean and manipulative with Ariel. She was using her as bait all along to get to Triton. If she can use that to lure Triton into a trap, or even if she can just cause Triton pain by abusing his daughter. That was her ultimate goal. It's good to try to like uh, you know uh, consult the the, the musicals, though, because they really give you a lot more information about the backgrounds of things. Yeah, like like Shrek, for instance. Um, <laughs> there's a there's that song where they're just burping and farting a lot. <laughs> so Joey and I at the town that we live in, uh, there's like a local community theater, and they had a sign that they were putting on Shrek the musical. So Joey and I were like, "Damn it, we have to go see that." So we went to like the local performance of Shrek the musical, and it was no joke the worst six hours of my life. Six? Yeah, dude, it was so long. It was so long. I don't regret so going though. I regret every minute of but, it. I, mean, I was so miserable. It, but tr- but imagine that's probably the same like music that all the Shrek musicals used, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, I think so. I think you just so, like buy the script and have the music all over the t- all, all over the United States. There there is a, an act of burping and farting for for a minute and a half. So enjoy yeah, the worst day of my life. But yeah, that's a uh, that's pretty much it for the Little Mermaid. Do you guys feel like uh, like maybe in a way you're a Little Mermaid? Yeah, I really do, actually. I understand the whole idea of going in and trying to get a, a risky gift. I think I'd probably want to try to get a risky gift. What's the risky gift? Well, I don't know. I mean, let me just give you a scenario of something that I need help with, and maybe you can offer me something good. Okay. Um, I've wanted to slam dunk my whole life. Can you uh, help me? I can do that for you. But it's going to cost you, uh, it's gonna cost you a nipple. Oh, <laughs> Joey, would you uh, would you take a hot sword in the butt so you could dunk again? Oh, how much is how far is it going in? <laughs> uh, not, I mean, it doesn't do <laughs> it doesn't do any permanent damage. Oh God. Okay. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, Kevin, is there anything you would uh, you would take a hot sword in the buns for? Uh, true love. Like I said before, you do it for true love. Yeah. Yeah, do it for true love. Do yeah. it for true love. Mm-hmm. I'll do it for like thirty dollars. <laughs> well, okay, can you guys debate who would uh t- who would get the lowest the least, amount of money? Yeah, lowest amount of. I mean, I'm confident that it's going to be me. <laughs> yeah, what if I'm pretty it's, sure it's Roger. Okay, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, let's. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> if it's not going to do permanent damage, if it's just going to hurt once, I would probably do it for free. What? Yeah. Because <laughs> what's the big deal? You know, it hurts a lot. It hurts a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but it's probably pretty funny. It's a good, it's a good goof. Can you imagine we're all sitting around and you know, I come running in and there's there's just a red hot sword hilt sticking out of my buns and I'm just screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Your hands on your face like Home Alone. Oh gosh, help! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. Cool. You guys want to wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
Uh, and hey, if you if you like this, uh, go subscribe and rate our junk if you get a chance. Uh, I think that would uh, it would help us out a lot. So uh, go subscribe on iTunes or on Spotify or, or whatever you use, and go uh, go give us a billion stars. Um, also, our, our Instagram's kind of hot now. We got some stuff going on up there. Uh, yeah, go check out our gram. What is, it's a uh, at Storyhole One at Storyhole Podcast, I believe. Storyhole One is the Twitter. Yeah, we have a Twitter at Storyhole One. It doesn't have anything on it, but if you want to go tweet at us, that's where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the YouTube has funny little visuals, so if you want to check out some of the last episodes, you might see things like uh, Roger as a Necronomicon or uh, Kevin as a little Kev Karopi. Yeah. So go check those out. <laughs> cool. Well, goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I love Bye. you. Bye. Bye.